Cool. So I, I called this walking on water today. And it is a little bit about walking on water. It's really walking in the spirit. I should have called it uh, how to wrestle an alligator. Because when you're trying to grab big concepts of God and put it into like 30 minutes, it's difficult. It's like wrestling an alligator, right? You're just trying to wrangle that sucker down to the ground and get a hold of it uh, and make sure nobody gets hurt. So that's, I should just change the title today to how to wrestle an alligator. All right. Um, walking in the spirit. So again, that's a big concept. I can't cover everything about that today, but I wanted to give you a feel for what that means. There's so many terms in the Bible that um, I would say should provoke us. And even when I come up here and do the transition, like Jacob just did a great job doing the transition from worship to the message, I'm always thinking in my head, I'm trying to provoke you guys a little bit. Because that's kind of what God does to me. Every time I read the word of God and I really spend time in it, I get provoked. I'm not angry, but I mean, I'm irked. Like, what does this mean? Or how do you do that? Or there's so many questions in the Bible that don't have like your one, two, three answers, right? I said that before. Pastors love the, here's five steps of being a better man of God. Or here's four steps on how to, you know, be a better parent or whatever. And there's many things that are in the Bible that are definitely in there, and you can read about them, and you can see them happening, but it doesn't say, hey, here's five steps on how to do that. And I think walking in the Spirit is one of those things. So I got my start going to a bunch of different little churches when I first got saved. I was 19 years old. And let me see if I can use the mobile pulpit today. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll give it a shot, though. Um, so I started, I went to a bunch of different churches, and then one of my friends said, you should try Calvary Chapel. And back then, Chuck Smith was like in his heyday. So Chuck Smith was there. Greg Laurie was there uh, on Monday nights. Chuck Missler was there like on Thursday nights. It was a great time to go to Calvary Chapel. And they kept saying over and over and over again, and I appreciate them doing this, you've got to be in the Word. You've got to read the Word. You've got to read the Word. In fact, Chuck Smith would go through the entire Bible as long as it took. Usually took him a couple of years. I think he went through it like seven or eight times in his lifetime. Started in Genesis, taught all the way through it. Started over again. And so I really appreciate the fact that he would do that because it gave, it gave me such a great foundation. I always tell people I have a great foundation in the Word of God because of going to Calvary Chapel. One of the things, though, that happens when you actually do sit down and read the Bible and try to read it through is you start hitting all these questions that are like, what does that mean, God? How do you do that? What? I don't get it. And so they had like a tape lending library, right? You walk into this room and there's just tapes all over of the entire Bible that Chuck Smith went through, and sometimes some other speakers as well. And so you could go in there and go, well, I have a question about this particular portion of the Bible, but he's over here in this part, but you could go to the tape lending library and get a tape and listen to that part and hopefully find your answer or at least get kind of going down the right track. But several times I did that, and he just skipped the entire part that I was trying to figure out. I'm like, really? Man. So it's, it's provoking, it, it, it kind of drives you to, to look further, to, to look deeper, and I think God does that on purpose. Um, sometimes you have to go to other sources, other pastors, other books, other seminars, or whatever. But the Bible says, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, the door will be open. And I really feel like the church, and not just our church, the church in general today, has a real lack of curiosity when I was going to Calvary Chapel, there was one night, I forget the night what it was, like a Monday night or something, or Tuesday night, Chuck would get up there and teach, and at the end, they had these kind of steps that went down into the crowd, and he'd sit on the top step, and he'd go, okay, you guys have any questions, just come on up here. 
And the rest of you can go if you want to go, that's fine. You could literally walk up and sit there with Chuck Smith and ask him anything you want. And I know, I was like 19 years old, and I was really hungry, and I'd been doing what he said to do, was read the word. I had like 8 million questions, so I know I really got on his nerves a few times. And, and he never said anything to me about it. He never went, you know, hey, enough. Uh, he was very gracious. But it was great. You could ask him anything. And I feel like I don't get that a lot from the church today. People don't ask a lot of questions. And I know if you're reading, you are going to have questions. There are some crazy things in the Bible. There is. It's fantastic. I love it. And there are answers to those questions. All right. So let's get started. I want to go to John 14. I needed this table because I have my Bible of many colors because there's so much ink all over it. And it needs more room than that little pulpit to, uh, to look at. John 14, 12 through 27. All right. Walking in the Spirit. 14, 12 through 27. All right, here we go. Most assuredly, this is Jesus talking. You know how I know that? Red letter. It's an old pastor joke, sorry. Couldn't help it. Probably got that from Chuck Smith. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Again, provoking, right? I can do what he does? Really? How does that work? I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. What? Greater works? Okay, you, did, you know you rose the dead, right? You, you, okay, never mind. Let's move on. And, wh- and whatever you ask in my name, I will do that. The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus knew he was going to die. He was going to raise from the dead. And he was going to ascend to the Father. He was not going to be around to do these things anymore. But he said, I am not going to leave you orphans. I am sending you the Holy Spirit. And at that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I love that part. I will manifest myself to him. Jesus is not dead, right? We don't worship an idol. We don't worship a wooden statue. We don't worship a God who's not there, who's not accessible. He says, I will be there, and through my Holy Spirit, I will manifest myself to you. Jesus, not Iscariot, or Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. I love that scripture. I'm not going to leave you orphans. And one of the things Jesus said to his disciples before he left is, look, I'm leaving and this is going to make you really sad, but it's better that I go because if I go, then the Holy Spirit will come and he will be in all of you. So I will be everywhere. Isn't that awesome? It'd be pretty difficult for Jesus to fly around the entire planet and reach every single person, right? He needs us. He works through us. We're the church. 
All right, so the Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to help you. He's going to lead you. He's going to teach you, and he's going to manifest uh, the Lord to you. Let's talk about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he was a high-level Pharisee. He was a big-time teacher, leader in Israel. Everybody knew who this guy was. And Jesus even called him the teacher of Israel. So in John 3, John 3, I think it's 1 through 13. We're going to read real quick here. I can find it. John 3. One through thirteen, there was a man. <clears throat> there was a man named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. Interesting that he came by night, right? He's this leader. Did he come during the day when everybody was there? No, he came at night because most of the Pharisees did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. So Nicodemus is like, okay, I'm going to keep this on the down low, but I got to talk to this guy. So he says he comes to him at night. And he says, Rabbi, which is teacher. We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus uh, answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. If you are not born again, if you've not asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you can go to church and still not see the kingdom of God, what God is doing, what the Spirit is doing. You cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old, can he enter a second time into his mother's room and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So obviously being born of water is being born, you know, from your mother, right? The water breaks kind of a thing. And then there's being born of the spirit. And if you aren't born of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. I love that line. And that should be you and me. You can't tell where they're coming from. You're not sure where they're going, but you know when they're there. You know when the Santa Anas blow, you can't necessarily see the Santa Anas. You can see what they're doing and knocking over trees. Leaves are blowing around, but you can't see the wind, right? You can't really see where it's coming from. You're not really sure where it ends up, just somewhere out there in the Pacific probably, but you know when it's there, right? It'll knock you over on certain days. It'll blow your roof off and knock your trees down on certain days. You know when the wind is there, and he says, so is everyone who's led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit, you know when he shows up. You know when he's present. That's part of walking in the Spirit. And Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe when I tell you heavenly things? So basically, the lesson we learn here is, first of all, being super educated and being a great leader and even being a great leader in the church doesn't mean you're filled with the Holy Spirit or that you're following the Holy Spirit. He's talking to Nicodemus, who's a great man. And he's like, don't you know these things? And so he basically breaks it down and says, look, there's earthly things and there's spiritual things, heavenly things. So you can walk in the flesh, but you can also walk in the spirit if you're born again. And there's a difference, Nicodemus. And I'm telling you earthly things, you're not even getting that. There's so much more to walking with God than just going to church. There's so much more to walking with God than just showing up and doing things. 
right? It's great to come to church. It's great to do things. It's great to have outreaches. It's awesome to sing songs. I love singing songs. But there's so much deeper, deeper, deeper things in God. The more you pursue him, the more you learn. The more you pursue him, the greater things happen in your life, the greater things you see him do. Why? Because the spirit shows up and things start happening. It's an awesome thing. All right. Moving on. So I have my I don't want to go story. So kind of like I just kind of want to give you kind of a feel of how this works with me. Um, So I got saved at 19. I told you I went to Calvary Chapel. I started going to other churches because, uh, while Chuck Smith is actually from Foursquare, I don't know if you knew that or not, uh, he didn't like to cover a lot of those deeper spiritual things in service. He did cover them, but they were like in this afterglow, kind of in another room when the service was over. Uh, So you could go there to the afterglow and get to the deeper things, but he was not going to cover that from the pulpit because he didn't want to cause controversy or whatever. So anyways, my I don't want to go story, this is, this is kind of, so you can't really walk in the spirit nonstop, right? It's just impossible. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and he kind of manifests at times, he shows up, he, he comes on strong, and your gifts, whatever your gifts are, start working, right? And then it kind of fades, and you're just kind of walking in the flesh again. It's not, walking in the spirit is not like, oh my gosh, I started glowing, and then I was flying through the room, and it, it was amazing. It's not that kind of experience. Uh, the Holy Spirit shows up and he starts doing stuff. So I, we had this prayer meeting recently, actually, and it was a Sunday night and several people were going to be there and, and I knew God wanted me to go and my wife wanted to go and I really did not want to go because I knew we were going to pray for people and I was tired and I'm like, oh, Lord, I don't want to go. And he's like, I want you to go. And I'm like, I don't really, I'm tired though. You know I want you to go, right? Okay, okay, I'll go. So I go and I show up and we start talking and I don't feel anything. I don't, no, I'm not, there's nothing tingles. I don't, nothing's happening, right? I'm just there and I'm eating some food and we're talking. And then Matthew goes, okay, let's pray for this person or whatever. And so they get in the middle of the room and we go to pray for him. And instantly I have a word for that person. God, that's one of the things God does and works through me is I get words for people uh, for them. And so you know, I had the word for that person, and then they got up, and then the next people, couple sat down, and then I had a word for them, and then the next person sat down, and I had, for, and I'm just rolling, and I'm like, I didn't want to be here, you know, but in that moment, now all of a sudden, I'm walking in the spirit, and my gifts that God has developed over all these years, they just kick in, and it feels great. I'm so excited, you know, and people are being touched, and, and God's moving, uh, but again, I had no idea that, that was going to happen. Another time we were at the hospital, me, Matthew, and a couple of people actually from here, and we were going to pray for somebody, and there was a lot of people there, and they were from different churches and different places, so they, you couldn't all be in the room at the same time. So we, they end up, because uh, Matthew's a pastor, putting us in this inside room, and some of the people we've known from other churches started coming in that room and just to say hi and see what was going on. And so, like Matthew typically does, all of a sudden he goes, hey, you know what, I think we should pray for this person. I'm like, now wait a minute. Matthew, we are here to pray for this other person. We are not here to pray for this woman. No, I didn't, I didn't say that, but in my heart, I'm kind of thinking that. Because why? Because I'm walking in the flesh, and I'm tired, and I'm stressed out, and I've been there for like six hours, and come on, Matthew, really? So I have nothing for this person. I, God did not tell me before I got there you were going to do this. God didn't give me a word for them before I got there. I don't feel anything. I'm like, okay, whatever, Matthew, let's pray for this person. And the second Pastor Matthew started praying, boom, I had a word for that person. So 
That's how it works. Again, you don't float on a cloud the instant you get filled with the Holy Spirit. God's gifts work through you as you use them and develop them, and they just kick in when the Holy Spirit decides to show up. And just to end that story, I didn't know whether that was a good word for that person or not. Most of the time, I don't know. But as I started to leave the room, she stopped me. She said, you know, I know we know each other from that other church. She goes, but I've been going through this whole thing, and you had no idea. I haven't told anybody. And what you prayed was right on the money, and it's exactly what I've been praying for. It's exactly the answer I needed. Thank you so much. Now, I'm not saying that to brag on me. I'm saying I had no idea that was going to happen. It just kicks in. Because why? Because the wind started blowing. That's walking in the Spirit. That's how it kind of works with me. You may have different gifts than I have, but as you do those gifts, as you use those gifts, whatever those gifts are, they're going to kick in as you let God work through you and manifest himself through you. Amen? Okay. So I have kind of a list, which I just kind of bagged on lists. Um, oh, no. Actually, I'm going to skip the list real quick. Let me, let me tell you one more thing about myself, how I kind of got into this. So I, I, my mom was Catholic, and my dad was Episcopalian, right, which is kind of Catholic light, sort of. So they were raised in those traditions, and they didn't really feel like they were getting a lot out of it. So when they uh, had my sister and myself, they said, well, let's try the next level down, you know, the next step along the route or whatever. <laughs> so they put us in a Lutheran church, and we would go to Lutheran church. And for a while, we all went, and then my father stopped going, and eventually my mom stopped going. But I still wanted to go. I always had this thing in me where I just, I always believed in God, and I got some of that from my mom, but some of that's just God. I've always wanted to pursue God. So my sister and I would walk across El Toro Road in Lake Forest, which was a really busy road even back then, and we'd just walk over there. I was probably 11 years old, 10, 11, 12. We'd go to Sunday school. I learned all the stories. I'm grateful for the Lutherans. They are very good teachers. Uh, they have very good schools. I learned a lot. But I got to the point where I kept saying, I keep reading all these stories, and I, I want this. I want what David had, right? I want what Elijah had. I want to do that. Where's that at, God? I love the stories, but I want to live that. I want that in my day. Does that not exist? And people would debate back and forth, but at the Lutheran church, they didn't, they didn't believe. They didn't believe that existed today. They're just great stories, right? Those happened in the past. So eventually, my sister stopped going, and it was just me. And right before I became like a true teenager, I was probably maybe 13, right? Getting ready, kind of going towards junior high and high school. I just got tired, and I vividly remember laying on my bed and saying, Lord, I really want to go to church. You know I do, but I just can't take this anymore. I want more. I want more of you. I don't want to just hear stories. I want stories. Like, isn't that real? And I didn't, I didn't have an answer. I just, and I remember saying this, these words, it must not be my time. It must not be my time. And that was true. I think it just was not my time because I wasn't in a place where anybody would teach me these things. You know, I am blessed to be in this church where Pastor Matthew teaches these things. I am blessed to be around you guys who are believers who believe in these things. Because I've been in churches for years that didn't believe this stuff. And nothing ever happened in my gifts. I never used them. For like five years, I didn't use them. I forgot how. Didn't even, nothing. So I said, man, this must not be my time. Then I got saved. Then I started going to Calvary Chapel. Then I started going to some other churches. And I ended up at Foursquare eventually, where they, Foursquare believes in the gifts of the Spirit and the moving of the Spirit. But you need people to teach you the deeper things of God. It's not just about reading, right? So there was this guy named Apollos. Um, you can read all over the New Testament. But in Acts 18, Apollos, 
He's a great speaker. He is awesome at telling the Lord's story and getting people to come to the Lord. But that's all he knew. So these two women approach him and they say, hey, there's way more to this than just that. And it says in that particular verse that they went on to explain the, the deeper things of God, the things of God more accurately, more in depth to him. And he became an even greater preacher, an even greater leader. Uh, he would even go into the synagogues and just lay waste to the Jews who were trying to say that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He would prove to them without any doubt that he was the Messiah. And he won many, many people to the Lord because there was someone there who could teach him the deeper things of God. And as he started walking deeper in the spirit, he became more and more effective. And that's what happen, happens in your life. The deeper you walk with God, the more time you spend with God, the more you know his word, the greater things are going to happen in your life. Because again, God's just going to show up. And I think I've told you this before the other times I've spoken. God would put me in situations that I would never want to be. Like what I'm doing right now. I would never want to do what I'm doing right now when I was younger. Never. I was petrified to stand in front of people. Petrified. I got a D in speech in high school. A D. I would get up there and I would literally shake. They did a video of me once speaking just to see, you know, hey, this is how you are in front of people, you know, and this is how you can improve. I mean, I almost tore the lectern apart when I was standing up there. I was freaking out so much, right? But as I started walking with God, guess what? This was one of my gifts. Did I know that? No, I had no idea until I started walking with God. So the deeper you go with God, the more you're going to see God act in your life, the more you're going to understand your gifts uh, in life, and the more effective you're going to be as the church, right? Because this is the thing we got really screwed up in this country, and really in every country, I think. That the Bible says that pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles, those gifts are supposed to teach you guys how to work your gifts, and you're supposed to go out and do the work of the ministry, right? So it's not just supposed to be Jesus walking around anymore. It's not just supposed to be his leaders walking around. It's them teaching us how to do the work of the ministry, and we go out and do it. And we use our gifts as the Holy Spirit works through us, and lives are changed. That's God's plan. Okay, so I just ripped on people having lists, sort of. I have a, I have a list now. Great. All right. <clears throat> It's not a how-to list, but I just wanted to list some of the things that you need to do to walk in the Spirit, or as I said earlier, walking on water. Number one, you must be born again. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says that the things of God are foolishness to unbelievers. They're foolishness. They don't make any sense. Sometimes they don't make sense to me, right? God does stuff, and you're like, God, what is going on over there? But to the natural man who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, they make no sense whatsoever what we believe, how God works, how God moves. I remember I, I kind of backslid for a few years and I, I started going, uh, I started coming back to the Lord and I started going to this church and it's actually in Garden Grove right where I live now. There was a big tent and so I had a friend take me over there and I remember walking in the door after not being in church for like three years and I remember just the joy and the peace and the presence of God was like all over me. And I, I was so blown away. And the thing that just struck me at that moment, I still remember standing there going, why did I ever leave? What was I thinking? Why? But here's the thing. When you're out walking in the flesh, the things of God don't make any sense to you. I'm telling you, before I went to that prayer meeting and I had all those words, I didn't have anything. 
Why? Because I was just doing my chores and running around, and, and I wasn't doing anything wrong, but I, I was walking in the flesh. And all of a sudden, the spirit kicks in, and it's the most amazing feeling, and I sit there, and I say the same thing every time. Why did I think I was not going to go? I knew God was going to do something. I didn't know what. And after walking into that church, I thought, man, for three, three and a half years, I missed this feeling. But to be able to explain that to someone who's on the outside and what that feels like, it's impossible. It's impossible to explain. It doesn't make any sense. Okay? Because why? Because to walk in the Spirit is a whole different thing than walking in the flesh. And that's why Jesus could look at this great teacher of Israel and say, you don't even know these things? You're the great teacher of Israel. Well, he was just walking in the flesh. He didn't have the Spirit. All right, so you must be born again. Number two, you need to be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? Basically, you just have to ask the Lord to fill you with his Holy Spirit. So you have Acts chapter uh, 1 and 2. It talks about, hey, the Holy Spirit's coming, and when he comes, he's going to fill you, and you are going to be endued with power from on high. It's going to be amazing. And Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit hits, <laughs> and it's just chaos, right? It's not chaos for them, but the people around are like, what is happening with those people? What, are they drunk? What's going on in there? And then they started hearing them speak, because they were from all over the world in their own native language. They didn't know they were doing that. They didn't know how to do that. They were just doing it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was moving. So you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to be born again. Number three, you have to know the Word of God. If you don't know the Word of God, you could think anything is the Holy Spirit, right? I told you a couple weeks ago, there's people who go around, they lay on graves. I think I call it grave sucking. It's grave soaking or sucking. I don't know what it is. But they basically try to find some old saint, right, who was really powerful, and they try to lay on their grave and just let the anointing get in, man. I'm going to absorb the anointing from this great man of God. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. And it is not biblical, and it is very close to necromancy, which is a sin, right? The Holy Spirit is not in the bones in that grave. Where is the Holy Spirit? Where is the Holy Spirit at? In you! He's already in there. What are you doing? Get off the grave, you weirdo. That's not in the Bible. But if you don't know the Bible, the devil will get you to do all kinds of crazy things. Crazy. Right? God will get you to do some crazy things too, but you'll see the fruit of it and it's going to be awesome. The devil will get you to do stuff and make you look like an idiot. And then he'll discourage other people because they'll go, look at that idiot. I don't want to be a part of those guys. Right? You have to know the word of God. And not only that, the more you know the word of God, the stronger you get in spiritual things. It says in Isaiah, who does God teach the deep things to? Not to babies. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. You get it a little bit at a time, and a little bit at a time, and a little bit at a time, and before you know it, you are growing in the Lord and getting strong in the Holy Spirit, right? But if you don't spend time in the Word, you're not going to grow, and you're not going to get stronger. It's not going to happen. And not only that, but like I said, the devil's going to try to get you to do all kinds of crazy things that you shouldn't be doing that aren't spiritual. You should be able to see things that are happening, and there's a lot of crazy things happening in the church today that are not of God. And you should be able to have the discernment and say, that's not, the, that's not in the Bible. That's not godly. That's not the spirit of God. God is not the author of chaos. He is the author of power and of love and of a sound mind. That is God. But you will never know that if you don't read his word. You will get tricked into doing crazy things. That's why they have cults in the world. Why? Because people have left the word of God and made up their own religion. And they'll even put Jesus on it. Oh, yeah, we have Jesus, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not Jesus. Paul talks about another Jesus. 
that there are other Jesuses out there that people will try to throw up you, false gods, false Jesuses, right? The Antichrist is going to be a false Messiah, and the whole world will go after him. The whole world. And it says that even the elect, if they're not careful, might be fooled. Don't be fooled. You have to know the word of God. All right. Uh, know his voice. So I'm going to read this one. John 10, 1 through 5. Really short. John 10, 1 through 5. You can know the voice of God. Jesus is talking again. You know, I know. Red letters. Red letters. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up by another way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You guys ever seen that video? I don't, we might have even played it here before when we had the... When we had the video thing going in the, in the theater. But there's an awesome video of the shepherd, and he's like got a bunch of people with him. And he's like, okay, those are my sheep. Try to call my sheep. And they, they're all trying to call the sheep, and they're just like, bah, bah, and there's not, not, no response. And the next guy tries, and this girl tries, and it's old and young, and all these different people. It's like a tour group or something. And so he goes, no, everybody try, everybody try. And everybody try, the sheep don't do anything. And then the second the shepherd steps up there, he starts calling his sheep, boom, they start flooding right at him. And the people there are just blown away, like, how did you do that? He goes, those are my sheep. They know my voice, and they won't follow anyone else's voice. They'll only follow mine. That's God in you. You can hear God's voice. If you're born again and filled with the Spirit, you can hear God's voice. And God expects you to, and he says, you'll know my voice, and you'll know it so well that the voice of a stranger, which is the devil, or false teachers, you will not follow. Isn't that an awesome thing? It's possible. It's possible, but you've got to pursue. Faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That you must know that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you don't have faith in God's word, you will never be able to do uh, great things for God. Practice. Uh, Hebrews 5.11-14. Uh, I'm not going to read that, but it talks about, um, Paul says it's by reason of use that your gifts get stronger. And, it, and he's kind of rebuking the church uh, in, he, in Hebrews. He's saying, you guys ought to be teachers by now, but because you're not using your gifts, you still need baby's milk. You still need milk. You are not ready for the meat of the word of God. Why? Because they weren't practicing their faith. They weren't using their gifts. So practice, you have to practice. Um, what's a witness to this? How do you know you're even on the right track? So you say, you get up there and you have a word for somebody how do you know that that's God? How do you know you're hearing God's voice? I always say the same basic things. John 7, 37 through 39 says that if you are following Jesus, he said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. I literally feel that feeling when I'm moving in with God. When God is doing something with me, I feel like this like gushing of the Holy Spirit rising up in my chest. It's kind of like the feeling when I played football. You know, before I went out there, I was like, ah, oh, I was just so amped up, and you're banging heads with other guys, and, and until you actually hit somebody, you'll hear 
pros say that until I actually hit somebody. I don't feel like I'm in the game. That's exactly how it feels playing football. That's exactly how I feel when God's about to do something. I kind of get that nervous, like, oh, here we go. You know, Matthew wants to pray for somebody in the hospital. Here we go. You know, what's God going to do now? I've sensed that river of living water. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 talks about the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh. That's a great thing to read. But always, 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 when I'm doing something and I know it's God, not only do I feel that river of living water, I sense those fruits, those gifts of the spirit. I feel joy. I feel peace. Even though I might be in a really chaotic situation, I might be around a bunch of people who don't believe and God's asking me to do something. I still feel that peace of God, that joy of the Lord, that love of God that's beyond understanding. I sense that, and that gives me confidence that, first of all, I know God's involved, but secondly, it's going to be okay. God's here. God's with me. I'm going to be all right. But walk in the fruits of the Spirit. I was going to tell you the story about Elijah, but I'll just kind of briefly touch it in 1 Kings 18 and 19. So, and Matthew covered this a week or so ago. He talks about how he took on the 450 prophets of Baal, and there were actually 400 prophets of Asherah there as well. So 800 godless heathen prophets, and he's taking them all on. He's like, look, I'm going to set up an altar here. I'm going to set up an altar here. You call down fire from your gods, and I'll call down fire from my God, the Lord God Almighty, and we will see who's God. And those guys freak out and cut themselves and do all kinds of satanic things for hours. And Elijah's sitting there just mocking them. You know, maybe he had to go to the bathroom. I don't know. Keep, keep trying. Keep trying. You know, maybe he went on vacation. I don't know. And eventually he says, okay, I'm done with you guys. Now pour water all over my altar. Pour water. Pour water. Flood it. Flood the wood. Flood the stone. Flood the bull that's on top of it. Then he called down fire from heaven and God burned up not only the bull, but the wood and the stone and the ground that was underneath it. God just took it all. Awesome, right? Walking in the spirit. I love that story. But what did Elijah do after that? He ran away because Jezebel freaked out. She was kind of in charge of those prophets. And she said, I am going to kill that guy. I am going to get that guy. And Elijah, now that he walked away from where God was moving, what happened? He was scared because he was back in the flesh. And he ran away and he hid. And you know what God said to him when he was out there? What are you doing out here? Why are you out here in the wilderness? Why are you hiding? Well... I'm the only one, God. No, you're not the only one. I got 7,000 others out there. Go back. <laughs> and he gave him a job to do. All right. So you're wondering about walking on water? Or running out of time? Walking on water is Peter, Matt 14, 22 through 33. Matt 14. Almost done. Waving signs at me back there. 14, 22 through 33. All right, so this is the famous story about Peter walking on water. Verse 22, Matthew 14. Now those who had eaten, uh, no, sorry, sorry, 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. And when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, and the wind was contrary. That means it was really, really scary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. I love that. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! <laughs> and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. 
It's funny, every time God approaches people or angel approaches people in the Bible, what's the first thing they say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not, I'm with you. Amen? What's the first thing Jesus says? Don't be afraid. Right? So here, like I love what Greg said. This is, I always think about this in the story. These are veteran fishermen. These are not us in a boat. And the wind starts blowing on our way to Catalina or something. Right? And we're freaking out because we don't know. We're going we're gonna to drown or get eaten by a shark or something. These are fishermen. They grew up on that lake, on that sea. They're veterans. Nothing freaks these guys out. That's how bad the wind was. That's how bad the storm was. And now Jesus comes cruising on the water, and they're like, ah, it's a ghost. We're going to die. So, so it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. I love that. He didn't look at him and go, hey, knucklehead, you're a man. You can't walk on water. Yeah, come on. Why? Because all things are possible with God, right? All things. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I love that. What did he say? Peter, you're so stupid. Why did you think you could walk on water? You can't walk on water. Right? That's what we would say. You dummy, you can't walk on water. But that's not what the Lord said. He looked at Peter. He said, Peter, why did you doubt? You were doing it. Why did you doubt? And you know why he doubted? Because he went from walking in the spirit and having his eyes on Jesus, his eyes on the Lord, walking in the spirit, walking on water. And he said he started noticing the wind, which scared him half to death earlier, right, in the story. He started noticing again. He started turning his eyes to the wind and the waves and his problems. And what happened? He started to sink and drown. And Jesus saved him. I love that. That's a perfect picture of our walk with God and walking in the spirit. We are walking in the flesh, and then God shows up, and amazing things start to happen. And we have to keep our eyes not on our problems, not on our troubles. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. And if we do that, he's going to save us. He's going to rescue us. And when we get to heaven one day, and if we ever go, I don't know if we'll ever look back on what happened on earth. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. Maybe. I was thinking of it like a, like a football, like a film session breakdown, right? Let's check out the film. What did you do there? Oh, ah, you should have did this instead, <laughs> right? Like you're watching football or something. I think that would kind of be cool in some ways. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But if it did, you know what he's going to say? Oh, Chuck, why did you doubt me there? I was about to do this. And I've seen God do amazing things when I don't doubt him. It doesn't matter how bad things get. Who created the waves? Jesus. Who created the wind that's making the waves go nuts? Who created the wind that's blowing on them so bad it's scaring them to death? Who created that? Jesus. Who created you? Jesus. Who is in charge of everything in this universe? Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your risen Lord. And he's going to look at you and say, why did you doubt me? I was right there. I promised you. I promised you I'd be there with you. Don't doubt the Lord. Because then you start to sink, right? Keep your eyes on him. That's walking in the spirit, not walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh, we start to sink and we start to drown. 
so then when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and they worshiped him. And they said, truly, you are the son of God. Man, I wish I was in that boat. That would be incredible. But I have seen God in incredible things. Not that. And the, my whole idea about walking on water wasn't to say that you should now go home or go to the beach or go to the local pool, park peak pool, and try to walk on water to test your faith. That is tempting God. What I'm saying is that you can walk in the spirit. And if it takes walking on water, it can happen, right? Don't be like those knuckleheads who say, Jesus said I could take up serpents and scorpions and, and no, nothing shall ever hurt me. And so they have a whole church service with giant rattlesnakes and the snakes bite them and they die. Don't do that. You're tempting God. What he's saying is if in the process of you walking with God, a snake bites you, you're going to be fine. God's going to heal you. Why? Because you're serving God and you're walking in the spirit. He's not saying, let's all leave here now, go out to the pool and have, practice walking on water. All right? I'm not a motivational speaker. Pastor. <laughs> Dang it. All right, so stop looking at your circumstances. And I wanted to say one more thing. Um, Chris, you can come back. I'll just we'll play like maybe one song. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we, you know, we hold hands every week, right? And we, okay, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not the church is in the building. The church is in you. You're the church. And that's another way of saying what Paul said is that it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. If you don't learn to walk in the spirit, then the world is not going to see Jesus because he's not coming back physically to start ministering again. He ministers through us. He moves through us as we learn to walk in the spirit and use our gifts. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of God's presence in this world. That is what the world needs, is Christians who know how to walk in the spirit and use their gifts, who aren't just happy coming to church and having some good snacks, singing a couple of songs, and then boom, we're out of here, and that's it. That's all I got, right? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Jesus Christ in his Holy Spirit moving through you that's going to touch and change this world, your family, your friends, your coworkers. That's what you need, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen?